Good morning. I'm Lois. If we've not met, welcome. If it's your first time, if it's your hundredth time, welcome everyone if you're watching online as well. Um, I heard some great answers that just then to that question. Is there any sentences you dread hearing? Put the heating on. Yes, true. Anything to do with the heating or bills anymore. That is the worst sentence ever. Someone says, we really need to chat. Oh, your stomach drops. Um, I heard one about lockdown. Did I hear someone say we're going into another lockdown? No one wants to hear that sentence, do they? That is a sentence that makes your stomach drop. Um, a couple of other sentences that I hate hearing are, sorry, madam, your card's been declined. That's never a good one, is it? Especially one time when I was in Primark and I was literally buying socks for two pounds. And she was like, sorry, there's a problem with your card. And I was like, oh no. Um, some others that I hate are any sentences that start with no offense, but that is a sentence you say when you're about to offend someone. We all know it. Dread it when a sentence starts like that. Um, another one, which obviously I never hear is, can I see you in my office? Oh. You know, it's not good news when you need to go to someone's office. Um, and then the worst of all sentences is, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. disappointed. Oh, that, there's nothing worse than hearing that, is there? That is like the height of the worst thing you could ever say, ever. That is a sentence that I dread to hear. But there's also one more that I, when I was younger, I dreaded hearing this sentence. It's only three words, and whenever I heard it, my palms would start to sweat. My heart would start to race. I'd get all fidgety. I'd hear this sentence a lot at youth group, at church, in prayer meetings, at camps, um, uh, things like that. And these words were, let us pray. Oh my goodness. The fear and dread that would go through my head whenever I heard the words, let us pray, was unreal. Here's what would happen. I would start panicking. They're going to ask me to pray, and they're going to ask me to pray out loud. Oh no, what do I do? How do I start a prayer? Hello, God. How are you? Then I've always thought it's really weird that we don't ask God how he is. Then my brain would spiral again. And then I'd be thinking, what if I start praying when someone else does? Dear God, dear God. And then you've got to do the thing where you like look at each other and you're like, who's going to go first? You, me? No, then I get more panicky. Then I start thinking, how many hallelujahs? is too many hallelujahs to include in this prayer. Because I, I was brought up in quite a charismatic church and there was a lot of hallelujahs. So I used to think the more hallelujahs, the holier you were. Then I would think, how do I make this prayer really convincing so that everyone thinks I'm a proper Christian? Then I'd start thinking, how do I end the prayer? Gotta go now, God. Goodbye. Then I start overthinking the whole thing. And in this roller coaster of emotions and thoughts spiraling, my brain would go everywhere and then the unthinkable would happen. I'd be speechless. And if you know me, you know that there's one thing I'm not often is speechless. I quite like talking. I talk to myself a lot. I talk to inanimate, inanimate, um, in, oh, say it with me, people. Inam, there we go, that one. Inanimate objects, I speak to them. I speak to animals, I, um, I like talking to people. So it's really rare that I find myself speechless other than when I'd hear the words, let us pray. And the reason that all that would happen and I'd start overthinking and start panicking is because I was worried 
that I was going to get prayer wrong, that I was going to sound like a bit of a melon, and that I was really not going to sound like a convincing Christian. And the thing is, I believe in prayer. I believe it's good. I believe that prayer works. I've, been, I've grown up being surrounded by prayer and hearing prayer. But what was happening that I was so concerned that I would get prayer wrong, that I wasn't actually thinking about prayer at all. I was thinking about me. And I was thinking about whether I could get prayer right or not. And maybe, like for you, prayer is a concept that you've seen, that you hear. Maybe you even believe in it. But actually, when it comes to your relationship with prayer, you feel a bit like I have done in the past, a bit disconnected. A bit like, it's great when other people pray and I will add my amen. But I'm not sure if it's something I feel confident in doing. And maybe that's because you don't know where to start. Or maybe that's because you're scared of praying out loud in case you don't quite say it right. Or maybe you'll think that someone will hear your prayer and go, they're not very holy. Or maybe you'll think my prayer just isn't enough to get answered because my prayers don't seem to ever get answered. And whatever the reason, that can apply if you are a new Christian, if you are just exploring faith, or if you are a seasoned Christian, there can still be times in your life when you see prayer and you think, I just feel disconnected from that. It's not something I feel comfortable in. Well, Jesus has something to say about it. And this something that he has to say about it is found on the Sermon on the Mount, which was a speech that Jesus did. And it's recorded in the Bible in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And it's a little bit like Jesus has been given a microphone. And as he's got the microphone, he's like, whilst I'm here, I'm going to tell you a few things. I'm going to give you a few life lessons. I'm going to give you a bit of wisdom. And I'm going to tell you what's important to me. And as Jesus takes the mic and tells us about these things and gives us advice and life lessons, one of the things that he starts talking to us about is things that we can do in our lives, patterns that we can put in place so that we can regularly connect with God. And one of those patterns that he talks about is prayer. So it's good news because it means that prayer is important to Jesus, important enough that when he was on the mic doing his speech, he wanted to teach us about it. That means that he knew we'd get it wrong at times and that he wanted to help us learn how to pray and how to pray freely. You might be familiar with the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is found in this speech in Matthew chapter 6. And you might be familiar with it in different words, but it starts something like, Our Father who art in heaven. And that is a model that Jesus gave us for like how to pray. It was kind of, um, yeah, a model, which Steve is going to do the great job of talking about next week. But before Jesus gave us the model of how to pray, he kind of taught us, how not to pray. Because what he did was he wanted to set the foundation of our understanding of what prayer is, of why we do it, before we launch into it. So we're going to read just a few verses today from the Bible, from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. And it goes like this. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. 
Then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Now I read this verse, and I was sat smugly, rolling my eyes, thinking, oh, the hypocrites showing off with their fancy prayers and their long words, shouting them in public for everyone to see and everyone to hear. And then I realized that actually there was a little hypocrite in me. And it might not have come in the way of standing on street corners and shouting my prayers for everyone to see, but it came in the anxiety and dread of what if my prayers make me sound rubbish? Because what we and the hypocrites in this Bible passage had in common was that our attitude to prayer wasn't quite right. And I thought that to get your prayer right, you had to sound good and you had to sound holy and you had to sound convincing. And I thought that to get prayer right, you had to get the prayer right. But Jesus is showing us in this passage, don't be like that. Now, what he's not saying is don't pray out loud and he's not saying don't pray boldly and he's not saying don't pray for people to hear. His problem wasn't with their action. His problem was with their attitude. His problem wasn't with the method of prayer because it doesn't matter whether we pray loud or quiet. His problem was with the motive behind the prayer. And I think that as just I've been studying this passage and I've been like, what are you trying to teach me, God? Over the last few years, it's just been one thing. It's that our prayers don't need to be right. They just need to be real. Our prayers don't need to be right. They just need to be real. Can I just tell you a couple more examples of how I've learned this? Um, one of them is that I love to write my prayers down. That is because I have the attention span of a goldfish about 3.7 seconds into my prayer, if I'm just talking in my head, I'm thinking about my dinner, thinking about the cost of electric. So I find that if I write my prayers, I'm a little bit more focused. So I'll write my prayers out, then I'll spell something wrong. So I've got to cross it out. I've got to start again because my prayer's got to look right. It's got to be spelt right. I mean, it's always blown my mind that God can read my prayers, but I want him to read it nicely. Then my handwriting will go a bit skewed. I've got to rewrite it can't be having it looking messy. This is God we're dealing with. So I've got to get my prayers right on paper. And then I've realized my prayers don't need to be right. They just need to be real. Something else that I used to be obsessed with when I was a teenager. Well, I'm still obsessed with it now. I'm obsessed with fairness. But I used to be obsessed with making sure that God and Jesus had the same amount of mentions in my prayers. Don't know why, but I had a tally chart. Dear God, Thank you, Jesus. Tick, tick. Please, God. Please, Jesus. Tick, tick. Love you, God. Tick. Love you, Jesus. Tick. I don't know why. I just had this thing in my head that they would be really upset if one of them got more mentions than the other. And I literally got so obsessed with it that I couldn't finish a prayer until the scores were even. Because I was like, what will I do? Will one of them like me less? I mean, don't get me started on the Trinity and that they're the same thing. Someone else can preach on that because that blew my mind even more. But I was just so conscious of making sure my prayer was right. But guess what? My prayers don't need to be right. They just need to be real. 
And I could keep banging the drum with so many examples of how over the years, as I've been journeying with Jesus, I've been focused on the wrong thing of getting my prayers right. But actually, God isn't bothered if our prayers are impressive or not. We don't have to convince God into answering our prayers. We don't have to talk ourselves into God's good books. That's not how God works. Actually, God doesn't mind if you stumble over a prayer, if you stutter your way through it, if you whisper them, if you silently say them in your head. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you write them with spelling mistakes, if you shout them. It doesn't matter if you cry your way through them as long as they are honest and sincere and real, because that's what God wants. He doesn't want right prayers that sound good. He wants real prayers. There's a verse in the Old Testament of the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. And it says, the Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And that is another example of what Jesus was saying in that passage in the Sermon on the Mount, that God doesn't look at our actions. He looks at our attitude. He looks at our heart in prayer. He probably looks at our heart more than he listens to our words. So when we bring our prayers to God, he is listening to your heart. And he desires you to be real with him because he knows you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to talk to you and to listen to you. And if I could sum up what prayer is for me, it is keeping company and communication with God. Like Di said so brilliantly before, it's about sitting and looking. And being with God. And however that comes out, whether that's in sign language or one words or lots of words or just being, God desires that company and communication with God. And that is what the rhythm of prayer is. It is about just regularly knowing that you can get to spend time in company and communication with God. And as long as you're being real, however that looks for you, then you're getting it right. Steve said last week that, um, and rightly so, that following Jesus isn't always easy, and it's not. There will be so many things that will want to come in between you having company and communication with God. There will be distractions. There will be disruptions. There'll be disappointments that make you want to go, I don't want to talk to God today. There'll be seasons of doubt. There will be um, pride. There'll be anxiety about getting it right or not getting it right. And prayer won't always be easy. Sometimes it will be hard or sometimes it might be awkward or sometimes it might just be really dry. And that is okay. Because as long as you're keeping it real, you're getting it right. Last year, just before Christmas, I was literally I was driving home for Christmas. And there is no better feeling, is there? Like driving home at the end of the day, good feeling. Driving home for the weekend, really good feeling. Driving home for a holiday, great feeling. Driving home for Christmas, ain't no feeling like it. Absolutely love it. So I was driving home for Christmas. I was feeling good, but if I'm honest, was also really tired. And I had a stinking cold, like half of the country. And um, I don't even live far away, and there was traffic. So I'm stuck in traffic. I'd started the journey feeling really excited and really good. And as the next few minutes progressed, I just felt my mood getting less and less and less. I was tired, I was poorly, I was stuck in traffic, I was frustrated. And at that point, I just thought to myself, oh, well, I've got nothing else to do. I'll probably just talk to you, God. Hello, God. 
thank you for getting me through this year. Thank you that I'm still alive to tell the tale. And this is literally how this conversation went. And then I thought, it's a good opportunity just to thank him for some things. To thank him that I've got a job that I'm driving home from. To thank him that I've got a home that I'm driving to. To thank him that I've got a car to drive in. And I just started thanking God for things. And then because I wasn't moving in the car, I started saying sorry to God for some things. I started telling him things that I should have probably said sorry for a long time ago, but that I'd started burying deep and just brushing over. And then I started asking him for some things. And then I started telling him some more things that I thought, what I was upset about, what I was angry about. And I started crying and I started having snot everywhere. And at one point I was at traffic lights and someone was next to me. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, sorry, I'm fine, I'm fine. Go on, go on, go on, go on. I realized that to everyone else it looked really weird. But in that moment, possibly, I confess, maybe for the first time in decades, I felt like I was being real with God. It wasn't polished it wasn't planned. It wasn't pretty. It didn't make any sense. The words I was saying really didn't make any sense. Um, but in that moment, on the A49, in my car, with snot in my hair and tears on the steering wheel, I think that might have been the closest to God that I've ever felt. And I'm not telling you that at all to, to make you think that I've got this prayer thing nailed. I really am not. Um, I'm telling you that because after years of prayer anxiety and after years of prayer performance and after years of like, I'm still learning and I'm still trying to learn this stuff, I got a glimpse of how sweet the rhythm of prayer is when you just let it be real. And prayer won't always be like that. It won't always be tears and, and um, tantrums is the wrong word. It won't always be emotional and it won't always be loud. Sometimes it'll be one word, help. Sometimes it'll be one word, sorry. Sometimes it'll be one word, lasagna. Sometimes it will be silent. So it's okay, as long as it's real. And I promise you, from experience, that God connects with you there, in the place of you being real. Whenever you bring your honest heart to God, it doesn't matter where, doesn't matter how, doesn't matter when, and it doesn't matter what, God will meet you there and he'll catch your tears and he'll listen to you because he loves it when you say yes to company and communication with him. And when you do, when you grasp the rhythm of real prayer, of honest prayer, something happens. And this has been my story. Something changes. Something grows you become more confident to pray with people and to pray for people. You become more comfortable with the awkwardness and silence of prayer. You become more, company with the co more comfortable with the company of God. And you become more consistent. Prayer can become something that actually you enjoy. You don't just endure. Because as you step into the timing of real prayer... You become more confident, you become more comfortable, and you become more consistent. I just want to finish with one question. 
And that is this. Do you know who you're praying to? Because that is how we learn to keep our prayers real, is knowing who we're praying to. And when you know who you're praying to, everything changes. This has been like a mind-boggling concept for me to get my head around. That God is the creator of heaven, the savior of the world. He is the author of salvation. He is the high priest. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. But yet, we get to approach him as our father. Dear God, my father, that is who God is. The message version of Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says this. This is your father you're dealing with. And he knows you. He knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. So do you know who you're praying to? You might have been journeying with Jesus for years and years and years but do you still know who you're praying to? Your father. Do you know that he loves you? Do you know that he knows the things you're going to ask him for before you even ask him? Does he know the thing, do you know that he knows the things you're sorry for and the things that hurt you? Do you know that he knows you better than you know yourself? He loves you and he knows you and he's desperate to hear from you. He longs to be in company and communication with you in prayer. And he wants to be in time with the rhythm of your life. I love that verse. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. That sets us free. It sets us free to pray real, honest, painful, unimpressive prayers. And that's the rhythm of prayer that I want in my life. I'm going to invite you just to stand with us and do as that verse says, and that is to pray very simply. If, like me, you've got the attention span of a goldfish, you might want to close your eyes, but it doesn't make you any more holy, so don't worry if you don't want to. I'm just going to invite you today and over the next few weeks as well to be real with God, to be real with him about how you're feeling and to start a rhythm of real prayer. So dear God, help us. We want to connect with you. Amen.